welcome to the Thinking Pilates podcast, where show after show, we bring you a different way to think about teaching Pilates. We make you dig deep, ask the tough questions, and keep unraveling the rich layers of teaching movement. I'm Chantel Lopez, founder of Skillful Teaching, an international education company just for Pilates and movement teachers, and author of Moving Beyond Technique. I am so gratefully joined in this delightful and crazy endeavor by my sometimes co-host and podcast co-founder, master teacher, and mentor, Deborah Colway. Hey, welcome everybody to episode 36 of the Thinking Pilates podcast, and today I'm going to be joined by a teacher friend of mine, Melissa Kakavis from Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm really excited about this podcast for a couple of reasons, and the first one is because Melissa and I have kind of a special bond. We were thrown together spontaneously many years ago at the Balanced Body Faculty Training to do some podcast videos, and we had never met each other before. And it was kind of an intense experience, but it's helped us create a really wonderful relationship. The second reason is because there is a really sweet and unexpected connection we make toward the end of the podcast that's going to set you up for the release of episode 37 with Deborah Colway in which we talk about the mind's habit to compare, the need to see things as black and white, right or wrong, better or worse. This is an important idea and really relevant to the teaching environment, and I think you're going to enjoy the flow from this conversation to the next. And there's a third reason, and that's because the foundation of our conversation, although we don't get to it for a while, is really all about values. Now, in the Skillful Teaching Cohort, we talk about values as core commitments, which is a term I stole many years ago from meditation teacher and author Sally Kempton. But no matter what you call them, your values, what you're most committed to, is the river that you are floating in. And that river is not only ever-flowing, but it's also ever-changing. It's also the thing that can set you apart, help you stand out, carve out a niche, But above all else, it's literally what buoys you to a good life, a life worth living. Not an endlessly happy and perfect life, but a good life. One in which you can navigate all the suffering, changes, ups and downs, and still say, I've grown a lot, I've learned a lot, and I have loved a lot. I don't want to draw this out too much longer, but I will say that I've also been titillated lately by a book that is right in line with these two conversations. Some of you know that I am a bibliophile, so it's not surprising that I'm on to a new book. The book is called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson, which is all about actually giving a fuck about really important things or the things that are important to you. It's all about values. It is hilariously funny. It's also pretty right on when it comes to why we struggle so much in life and how we might struggle a little less if we just could decide what we really valued, and let the rest slip away. Okay, we should definitely get this show on the road. So without further ado, Melissa Kakavis. All right. Hi, everybody. Well, this is a special podcast episode because I'm excited to talk to my friend, Melissa Kakavis. Hey, Melissa, how's it going? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad to be talking to you because it's been a while uh, that we've actually spoken and you've been on the podcast before, but that's been maybe like a couple years ago now. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that Melissa and I, well, first of all, I think um, Melissa and I have uh, come back together because I'm about to uh, make a a trip to uh, North Carolina to see you and your folks um, at the Pilates Studio at Evolve, which is so exciting. 
And so we've been in contact. Um, and, and, you know, as business owners and teachers uh, for many years, I think it's always, it's always really stimulating and interesting to talk about what's going on, um, you know, what our challenges are and, and what's coming up for us as teachers and studio owners. So one of the things Melissa and I have been talking about um, just in casual conversation that we wanted to bring to the table today was uh, two things that go hand in hand, really, which is the, the exponential growth of our industry in, in the last few years. I mean, of course, we've been on an upward growth uh, pattern for quite some time, but I think most of us are, are having this experience of kind of, you know, major, major growth right now. Um, and then what that means for us, like, how is that, how is that good? How is that not so good? You know, what's it, what's it creating for us as teachers in terms of challenges? Um, what kinds of opportunities is it offering? So Melissa, I wonder if you would just give us a little bit of background or maybe like, how is this relevant for you right now? Well, I've been teaching for about 20 years now. So I've seen the industry go from, you know, having to be in a place where you're just trying to explain what Pilates is to people, um, just to even try to get them in your door, <laughs> to now the Pilates is so much more visible. People actually know what it is, and people are coming to you to find it. And, um, you know, just to kind of have been in this profession for such a long period of time and seeing how it sort of has grown as an industry and what that means for us. I mean, you know, it used to be that, like I said, people would say, oh, highlights, what is that? You know, and it was just this long, you know, discussion and and it, it's really changed. And, and now Pilates is actually a business. Mm -hmm. whereas mm -hmm. it didn't used to be. Pilates used to be more like an art form mm -hmm. where, you know, those of us that loved it so much wanted to do it just hoping that we could survive, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right, like right. other art forms. And now it's actually become a business and a career and, like you said, a profession. And so that is wonderful and it's amazing. But it's also... You know, there, there are a lot of positives and negatives to that. We are in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm in a studio called Evolve Movement, and I'm the director of Pilates Education there, and I've been at Evolve for about 12 or 13 years now. Mm -hmm. And we are a Pilates studio, yoga studio, and we also have gyrotonic. So we kind of have a trifecta of multiple modalities, massage therapy as well. And we have like 5,000 square foot space. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, on the larger side of what you would consider a Pilates studio mm -hmm. in comparison to this growth and the gyms and the franchises and the, you know, the kind of giants that are coming out there now, we're not quite as big as we once were, <laughs> right, if that makes right. sense. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, we're still a small business. Um so it's just interesting. It's interesting. There's a lot of po positives and negatives for the individual as teachers, what that means for you, um, also what it means for studio culture, but also, and then just looking at the profession as a whole, mm -hmm. um, lots of positives and negatives. 
Yeah. So one of the things we were talking about in our email exchange as we were preparing for uh, this conversation was just the idea of does it foster competition? You know, because I think I think what we would probably land on uh, and, and will is that it, as you just said, it's it's pluses and minuses, right? It's positives and negatives, and yeah, uh, it does. Uh, it does foster competition, but it also fosters community. Although, you know, I always mm-hmm. think it's interesting um, that frequently our response to, you know, a new studio coming in or um, a franchise coming in, and we are seeing more of that, you know, individual Pilates, uh, kind of strictly Pilates franchises, and then also, um, you know, the franchise model within a gym that has a you know, uh, a specific or, or large Pilates based program, um, that when that happens, we get a little afraid and I, you know, that's natural. That's like, that's the human experience is like we have, you know, there, we, I think, um, have this way of framing our existence is like, there is a certain amount of territory, right? There, there's, there's physical space. And now all of a sudden that physical space uh, which includes our clientele and an actual physical, you know, real estate. Um, it, that also includes like the amount of money we perceive as being available in the world or in our community, you know, is being taken up, right? That's that sometime now is being taken up by this other, this other entity. And it's very natural, I think, you know, to feel like, oh, shit, like, what's that? What's that mean for me? Yeah. How is that going to? impact, you know, my clientele, the flow of business, um, the value of my business. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Your staff, um, you know, the perception of my business as compared to these, this other business or this other studio. So it's very, it's very natural, you know? And I think, uh, I think that even though there's that, that there is also, um, with that, the opportunity. And I think what, what many of us come to is that we, we can settle into that, like, okay, this is happening. You know, what, what are the real implications? Um, and that, Uh and that hopefully we can come to a place where, where it also leads us towards building community. And I think that that takes time, but, and it's not always the end result, certainly. So there are both things, Right. right? There are both things that are possible Right. And it's, it's difficult to know how to, you know, how to handle these things, uh, especially when it's happening to us, you know? Right. I think, you know, one of the biggest positives about the competition is that it does really, um, force you to define yourself. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it really forces you to hone in on what, your strengths are, what individualizes you as a studio and what you offer, how you offer, the quality of your offer, and what kind of experience you're giving your clients, but also as a work, like as a company, like what is it? I always look at it because I'm in teacher training um, as well as a Pilates teacher. I always look at it from the client side, but also from the instructor side. Mm -hmm. So in talking about it as a profession, you know, what kind of 
culture does your studio have for an experience can you give your clients but what is it also like for your staff and and how do you run your business right um and i think you know the positive side has that it has forced a lot of us to really define what makes us who we are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also it has also forced a lot of us now that pilates is such a business to have to grow and learn new skills yeah, absolutely. Um, to be able to be competitive and to be able to be successful in this environment. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us that initially were drawn to being teachers were not coming in with a strong business background, exactly. you know. And mm-hmm. so now this competition has forced us to learn accounting, to market ourselves, up the, per- the professionalism, and, oh, my God, the technology, you know, yes. I mean, it's like, yes. it's, it's really forced a lot of us to widen our horizons, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. in that way, which has been a challenge, but has also been a positive thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think what you're saying is really important to, for us to recognize, you know, it's like not just looking, like, it, it's not a call to just look on the sunny side of these things, I think, but, you know, to be realistic. So what that makes me think of is uh, something that we talk a lot about in skillful teaching and that we've talked about on the podcast as well, which is value-based teaching and, and building a value-based business. And this question, you know, of what kind of teacher do you want to be? You know, what's your purpose? What's, what's your mission? Um, what outcomes are you dedicated to achieving, you know, within your studio or within your teaching, this clarity that you're talking about, you know, what separates you, uh, maybe separating is not quite the right word, but what defines you as a teacher, you know, what's your unique, um, draw, what's the studio's unique offering. And I love what you said. I'm just going to ignore that. Um, I love what you said about, um, you know, the studio culture and the experience and and getting really clear because I don't always, I think that we're not always really clear about that or we're clear in the beginning, but then we lose sight of that. And then, you know, the studio environment, uh, the culture the business model, our own teaching kind of goes, uh, becomes kind of wide and ambiguous, right? When, when there's not this like fire to our, uh, behind that is making us stay really sharp and really focused. Um, but maybe that this is, this is the thing ultimately that is going to help preserve the, you know, the smaller, you know, I'm just going to say boutique style studio, which is, you know, not, of course, not an all encompassing definition, but not the, not Uh the big business model, um, you know, franchise kind of model, um, is, is that there is, being really clear about the value that we add to the experience for the students and what they're paying for and not just trying to, you know, compete at the lowest price point. Um, you and I were talking about this just briefly before we started recording, which is, you know, I've done quite a bit of, uh, research around, you know, market statistics, um, and why people choose, you know, make buying choices and it's very surprising that for the most part, people are not being led by price. And we think that, and, and I'm not really sure why psychologically we believe that that's true, um, that price is the number one reason that we choose 
uh, a service or we choose to buy something, but it, it's more about like, do we trust the person or do we trust, uh, you know, the company? Are we in alignment mm -hmm. with their values? And if they can feel confident that they're getting those things, that they're getting a higher value, then a higher cost becomes, you know, inconsequential. I do think um, a lot of that has to do with the reason that people are seeking you out. You know, the reason that people are coming to Pilates, because Pilates is such a wide demographic because you can do it at any age, because you can do it at any physical level. Mm -hmm. So you have so many people, you know, which, you, you know, really changes what it is in comparison to a kind of fad, fitness, like just strictly fitness-based mm -hmm. sort of kind of fitness thing, you know, where mm -hmm. Pilates is a method. And people are coming to Pilates for rehabilitation. People are coming for fitness. People are coming, you know, for just wanting more of a holistic lifestyle and being able to maintain something, a certain level of health, you know. So mm -hmm. I think if you market yourself to a certain part of that population or you're only able to meet the needs of a particular population, then that's going to define you right there, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I think that ideally what we try to do is meet both sides of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, and we do just as much or more private and semi-private sessions as we have group classes. Right. And we've had to, you know, really expand and grow our group class programming in order to meet the needs of people, stay competitive with the growth in the industry. But I think, you know, in giving that quality, the environment is important, very important, because mm -hmm. the experience is important. But in reality, this is something I see all the time, it's all about the people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's not a tangible product that you're handing to someone and hoping that they're going to like the product and that the product is of quality. It is the people that are communicating and teaching and transferring that information to the individual. And that is a, you know, that is a lot more complicated and a lot harder to actually teach. And it's a lot harder to find. Um, and so then you have, like, personality and all of these other aspects that come into play. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, it really, again, their experience is their environment, but really it's about that energy exchange and the ability of that teacher to meet the needs of that person coming in. Yeah, sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I always think about environment in terms of context, right? Or, or the container. It's like you, yeah. you know, it's not just, so we have outer context, right? We have the physical space, we have the lighting, the temperature, whether there's music, the color on the walls, if it's hard, you know, hardwood floors or um, carpet, if it's like what, what equipment is there, um, you know, like all of those things, those, those kind of tangible sure. things, 
Um, but then there, there is the inner context, which is the relational stuff. It, it is the intrapersonal relationships, right? Like how we are aware of ourselves, how we present ourselves, our own motivations, right. desires, and, you know, our ability to be responsive to, um, the, the situation and, and empathetic and the inner context or, or environment of the student, you know, and, and how they are uh-huh. relating to us and their emotional context. And, and that's, you know, and then it's, and then how do we come together, right? And how do we relate to one yeah. another and support one another? And I think this is um, really important to, to talk about because when we are, you know, we're, we're in a profession that's, that's continuing to grow um, and growing in a very specific way right now. Um, like how do we set ourselves apart or how do we define ourselves in a way that feels, um, very authentic, uh, very value-based, um, and clearly relate, like really able to clearly relate that value, um, to, to the audience, you know, whatever audience it is that we are, um, trying to attract. Um, and this is one of those things, right. Is, is, is the relationship and what kind of, you know, what kind of bond are we forming with our, our students? Uh-huh. It's interesting to uh-huh. me because I think, you know, if you think about the classic gym, uh, scenario where people are signing up for memberships and then, you know, they're maybe going gung ho for a month or two, but there's, um, you know, there's nothing to sustain that energy. Um, you know, and then they just keep paying their memberships, but they're not really showing up. And then there's, you know, then that, that rabbit hole. Um, but in, uh-huh, uh-huh. in Pilates, I think it's, it's interesting because we have an opportunity and I think the relationship piece really speaks to our ability to, um, retain right relationships to, uh-huh. to keep yeah. clients for the yeah. long term. So maybe there's just this shift in perspective from, it's not necessarily how many people are coming in the door. Like if, you know, like if people are attracted to, you know, the lowest price point, um, fine, but, but will they stay there? Like, are they getting, uh, you know, are they being supported in all of these different ways, uh, at the lowest price point that, that they would be, you know, necessarily supported in a a studio environment, like the one that you're in and that you're cultivating. So, well, I think, um, you know, people are, always looking for the new thing, you know, and yeah. I want to try something new. And and honestly, as long as people are moving, I'm so happy that they're moving. Absolutely. And so that has a lot of value. I mean, I'm not knocking that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like the class pass situation where you can go into different studios and drop into classes and try all these different things, which is so cool and mm-hmm. so valuable. Um, but at the same time, if you don't have the consistency and the repetition, then you don't actually make progress. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. your body will not change. Right. So if you have that sort of drop-in mentality with something like Pilates, it's the greatest thing in the world. But you have to do it, and you have to be consistent with it in yeah. order to get results from it. And nobody is going to keep spending their money and their valuable time doing something that doesn't provide some sort of result for right. any long period of time. Right. You right. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, you have to be able to meet the, the goals of what they're coming in for, but then 
it's having the ability to have a population that is coming in and really looking, say, specifically for Pilates and interested in investing their time and money and really learning it so that they can make that progress mm-hmm. and can see results, which will make it something that they want to keep doing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So there's this, so there's this other piece, right? Kind of, um, that dovetails with the expanding profession, which is how do we, how do we shift and change and how do we accommodate for, you know, more people in the field, um, you know, more people uh, seeking out Pilates. And one of the questions that you posed, you know, or one of the ideas that you brought to the table um, was, you know, like within the group class, like how do you, how do you conduct a, a large group class? And I'm going to let you reframe this because it's your question, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, and, and potentially, you know, the more people you can have in a class, the lower the price point can be is the idea. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you maintain then the level of instruction and, and the integrity of mm-hmm. the work? Um, so, so tell me like, how would you reframe that? Would you say that differently or what is that, you know, what is that for you guys that you're, that you're kind of questioning and looking at? Um, what the challenges that we face. So, um, basically our group class program, we have a limit of six people Mm -hmm. that can be in any group class. We also have a leveled group class program, Mm -hmm. which means that people, it used to be that we required people to have at least five privates before coming into any group class. Mm -hmm. Um, That was getting really challenging, you know, as far as the competition. (laughs) Uh uh Um, And also, you know, so then, so now what we're doing is we have introductory level classes. But basically, the way we run our program is that you have to come into an introductory level class and then be approved by the teacher to move into a level one, Uh then a level one, two, and then a level two, and a level two, three, level three. And so at each level, it's up to the teacher, you know, to approve the student to move on to the next level. Mm -hmm. And we did that in support of the students right? so that, again, they're spending their time and money being there, and you want to be able to give them the best quality instruction possible. And so when people are at the same level, it also supports the teacher as well right. to give an equal amount of attention to the whole group and progress the group. This is how we're choosing to run our group class program in order to maintain the quality and give the best experience to the client and support the teachers as well. Mm -hmm. But what makes it very, which some people are very respectful of and really appreciate that we actually have very clear, uh, a very clear method and pathway Mm -hmm. for people to progress. And it makes them feel better about investing their time and money mm-hmm. somewhere that has taken the time to operationally put systems in place like this. Right. Um, but then the negative side of it is that a lot of people meet it with a lot of hostility. They are like, well, why can't I just come take this class at the time I want and this is when I get off work and I run and I play tennis. So 
I should be able to take that class, <laughs> even though I haven't done Pilates at your studio. And every studio down the street will just allow me to come and jump into their group classes. Mm-hmm. So-and-so will, you know, so-and-so, they don't make me jump through all these hoops. They don't make me blah, 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 you know? Yeah. And so it's been really, really challenging for us um, to deal with that um, sort of bullying from the clients. And, you know, and if they don't really know what Pilates is, then they don't understand that it's a technique and it's not the same thing mm-hmm. as just being fit, right. coming in and understanding the repertoire of the movement and the equipment and the safety. And um, so, like, you know, it's when we ha- when we're surrounded by other studios or these larger corporations that have 10, 12 reformers in a room. You don't have to have any prior experience. You don't have to, you know, and it's cheaper. And people are like, well, why? You know, mm-hmm. why am I going to do this with you? And, you know, there have been times that it's made us question, like, wow, are we doing the right thing mm-hmm, here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But actually, you know, we've just, for us to maintain our integrity and um, do what we love to do, that we've had to just sit, stand by our guns, you know, and yeah. say, yeah, this is the way we do it. And I totally understand if you want to go down the street and do that. You know what? You could go down the street and get some experience there and then come back to see us when you want to go a little deeper with this. But, like, you know what I'm saying? That fear that you were talking about earlier that kind of makes you question, like, oh, when you have the competition around you, lowering the price and making things more accessible sometimes, you know, is a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it is a tricky, tricky situation. And it's interesting what you just said, because I think my experience over the years has definitely been, um, that when people choose, uh, you know, if, if, you know, we always had, so I'm no longer a studio owner, but when I was, I mean, we always had, it was five sessions. I mean, you had to do five sessions uh-huh. or you had to come in and do one session and get approval from a teacher to move into a class. Um, you, we just, uh-huh. that was the bottom line period. You could not come into a class. Um, we did what small group classes, reformer classes and more, uh, mixed apparatus classes without, without some, you know, like foundation and, you know, it's like, yes, that certainly limits the profit margin. I mean, I think, you know, you're definitely turning away a, a, a subset of your audience, but at the end of the day, it's like one it, better for me, better to feel better, better to feel good about what I'm doing uh-huh. um, and feel like I'm yeah. in alignment with my values and what feels like the richest aspects of my work than to just be catering to the lowest common denominator. And I don't mean that as a, as a judgment on the person, but just that the lowest common denominator, in my opinion, is the price point. Right. And so, right. Um, right. And having been in a location in a town for, for 10 plus years, my experience almost always was that people who went someplace else to, you know, seek, uh, instruction that was less expensive, um, or Uh less supportive, um, was that they ended up coming back to us because, um, they weren't getting, you know, they weren't making progress anymore. Uh, they weren't getting, you know, they, they, they had 
um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I was pain-free for a while, but now I'm, I'm experiencing pain again, or I just wasn't progressing, or, you know, the environment there was just not feeling, you know, supportive of, you know, my learning or whatever it might be. Like all these reasons that's like, oh, well, that's so interesting to me because if you are patient and you're clear and you make that choice to, to be in integrity with your vision, and that's not to say that this other vision is a wrong vision. It's like, that's just different, right? That's just attracting, um, it's attracting a different clientele. I think ultimately it's attracting a clientele too, that it has, uh, is, is more like the fad driven, um, audience, you know, and, and those people don't stick around because they're, they're motivated by what's interesting and what's popular. So it's all just a, you know, it's all just a slippery slope because, it's easy to talk about it, right? It's easy to talk about sticking to your guns and, and, and kind of living in alignment or working in alignment with your values, but it's not always easy because it's like, it's like the tortoise and the hare, you know, it's like, you got to be slow and steady. You got to be in it for the the long run. And of course shift and change and not be like an old curmudgeon, but you know, it's, it is, it's a choice. I think ultimately that we each have to make and, like how, uh, how long can we endure the risk, right? Um, of, right, of right. maybe a drop in clientele or, but, but at the end of the day, uh, from a business perspective, my experience also is that the retention, the, the long-term retention outweighs, the, you know, that, um, the fact that maybe, you know, we have less people coming in the door on average than, you know, than the gym down the street. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that remember, like, remember back in the day that the only way you could actually do group Pilates is if you took a math class. Right. I mean, back in the day, you could only do privates or semi-private. Right. Mm -hmm. Which did make it a very elitist form of exercise. But at the same time, the Pilates mat work, which is, so incredibly valuable mm-hmm. was alive and kicking. Yes. You know, this expansion of group apparatus classes has killed Pilates network. Oh yeah. Killed it. Oh yeah. It's been nobody a... wants to lay down on the floor. Yeah. You know? yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to get on the mat. And it's, you know, it's really sad because if you're not giving people the mat work, first of all, you're not giving them the strength to progress on the equipment, but number two, most importantly, is you're not giving them anything that they can make their own, that they can do at home and be more consistent with. Well, this is the... And I feel like that is a real disadvantage for people. Yeah. Well, this leads us into a very interesting uh, conversation that I have, feel like I have all the time, which is... um, you know, I feel like the mat work has been dying a slow death for so many reasons, uh, you know, that there's just, people can go out and just be reformer trained, which seems totally ludicrous to me. I mean, and and it's, again, it's like not a judgment. It's like, I get it. You know, there's, there, there has been an industry calling for it with, with the development, um, of, uh, group equipment classes. And so it makes sense, right? It just makes sense from that perspective, but it's not, it's, it's like, without the mat work, you lose the original intent, in my opinion, of, of the work itself. But also what you're, what you're talking about, which is that Pilates, 
you know, the way I understand it, the way that I have been taught it, the way I understand it from reading Joe's own words is that it, it was never designed to be something you had to rely on somebody else for period. Right. Ever. Like that was not the goal. That was not the goal. It's like, yes, Mm -hmm. you come to me because I instruct you and I set you on a path. I give you feedback. I help you work out the, you know, the, the kinks and, and progress through challenges. And then, you know, he develops the equipment to help you do the same thing. But like that, Mm -hmm. that working on the equipment, showing up for a $10 reformer class is not the objective. That's not the goal. Right. The goal is, can you own the work? Can you own the work and take it with you everywhere? Take it into your life, make it a part of your existence means that you do have to own it means that you have to stop paying for it at some point, you know, or stop paying for it so much. Right. So you can't be dependent on somebody else. Um, and I think not only is that, you know, we've gotten away from the, the essence of what Pilates is, and again, this is only my mm-hmm. opinion, you know, y'all can tell me to take a flying leap, but mm-hmm. it's, it also, we have forgotten about that as a part of our business model, right? Not only yeah. mat classes, but what would it be like if your program funnel deliberately drove people toward autonomy, right? Like what would that look like? to progress them to the point with this, with the single intent of having them be able to practice on their own, which meant that at the very highest level, students could, could be washing in hour by hour, day after day, doing their own work and utilizing the space and generating revenue. So that's good for the business, but that's also really good for them. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's the place where we should ultimately I hate that I just said that, that we should, but I do feel like that's the point of Pilates is, is to make the students, uh, you know, accountable for their own, their own practice. So it is, absolutely. it's very interesting, um, how it's, you know, like we've lost sight of that. We don't really do mat work that the, the equipment work is glorified, um, but that that also well, and the reformer especially yeah I mean, you know, yeah yeah like, absolutely so what we do is um one of the things like we don't have we don't call our classes reformer classes or chair classes or we have group apparatus classes because Pilates is a system and there is always going so yeah you may one day spend an hour on the reformer you're always going to have some mat work in there even if you're lying on the long box Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. may not be aware that you're doing mat work but there's going to be mat work in there Mm -hmm. um but our other times you will start out on the tower then you'll be on the reformer then you'll move to the chair and you'll and you'll be doing mat work so that you actually understand the system of pilates and you start to grow because of using the different apparatus so we don't you know we have to make decisions a lot of times as teachers in our studio because it's really busy on where we're going to be based on what's happening in flow yeah. in the studio right, right like, of course okay i'm on the reformer for 30 minutes she needs them in the next 30 minutes we're going to move over to the chairs we're going to move to the tower blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. but that is really good for the client yeah and mm-hmm. you know and it keeps the system of Pilates alive and you know i just I think that's one way we're trying to do that 
is not call it by a specific piece of apparatus, you know? And you'll get people that just love the reformer and you'll start them on the tower doing mat work. And of course they're just doing mat work, but they're laying on the tower. So they think, Oh, I'm doing something on the apparatus, right? (laughs) (laughs) So they're a little bit more open to it. Uh, Or you put them on an arc or something like that to do, you know, their ab work. And it's like, Oh, I'm kind of okay with this. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, that this is actually mat work that you're doing right Mm -hmm, now. Um, But it just, that's, that's how we're trying to, again, keep that integrity there right. to not allow people, even though they roll their eyes, if you don't put them on the reformer right away, or if you take them <laughs> off the reformer to go, <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to have fun over here. Look what you're going to learn today, mm-hmm. or look at what we're going to do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's just, it's interesting. Um, yeah. It did this. We've definitely seen that, and that's a challenge in itself. I mean, we've tried multiple times to have straight-up math classes. Uh You know, no props, no nothing, just straight-up math classes. Uh And we can't keep people booked. I mean, you know, it's like our teachers would be better spending that hour seeing a private client or a semi-private client Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus having one or two people show up for a math class. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 definitely a challenge. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that there are, I would like to see. Yeah, go ahead. Revived. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there are, there are things, you know, two things maybe at play here, which is, yes, you know, get clear. It, it's you know, competition is a is a a calling to you know, define your unique selling proposition, you know, in term business terms, marketing terms, you know, and, and cultivate a reputation for something, you know, this idea of Pilates Uh is a system, you know, Pilates is a lifelong practice. Pilates is a dynamic, you know, uh, you know, just a, a dynamic movement experience that is on the floor and off the floor and on the floor and off the floor. And, um, is, is one way to do it. Right. And, and it maybe is in more alignment with the original intent of, of the method itself. Um, and then, so there's, there's that, right. There's that choice that we're, we're making. It's like, how do I want to present this work? How do I want to be a representative of this work? What do I, you know, what is important to me? What's of value to me and, and, and what I want to give to my students. So that's important. We should do that. We should all be doing that. And, and maybe it's just, you know, the bottom line is it's all good. Like whether or not you want to just say, Hey, this is a reformer only studio. We've taken what we think is the best of the Pilates method. And, and then this is all that we're going to do because this is, you know, this is what we believe in. It's like, it's just all good, right? Like you said earlier, if you're moving, it's good. Like just, it's fine. It's all good. Move, move and move wherever and with whomever. And it's really, it's just all fine. So there's, the, you know, there's that. So that's like coming from within us, but we cannot ignore, uh, we cannot ignore what's happening outside of our own heads, you know, our own values. It's like, what, what is, you know, what's happening in, uh, you know, in the world in terms of the perception, right? We're dealing with the perception of Pilates, um, how people uh-huh. perceive it and, and what they're looking for. And if everybody only ever wants reformer classes and you refuse to offer just reformer classes, you know, you, you might, you might get into a bit of a conundrum there. Um, because you, you you know, you can't be too 
like I said before, like you can't be an old curmudgeon and you can't refuse to budge and acquiesce to, you know, the, the ebb and flow of what the reality is, you know, of what people want. You do have right. to pay attention to that and you have to let that guide you. But it is a, it is a, a difficult balance, I think, to do both things. Um, and I certainly feel like that's the place from which you're speaking, you know, that the challenge to change and to grow and to, you know, shape your offerings in a way that is attending to what people are looking for, but without losing what feels important to you. And I don't think that there's any, you know, there's not a, there's not an easy answer. Um, for sure. There's not an easy answer, but to have conversations like this, you know, and, and to be talking to, yeah, talking to people all over the world. Like, how are you dealing with this? Like what, what works for you? What doesn't work for you? Where, you know, where are your students willing to go and where are they not? Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, uh, in regards to this conversation was just that it's like mm, becoming multifaceted in what you offer. And you mentioned Uh earlier that evolve movement is also a yoga studio and you offer gyrotonic. Um, and you're also a training studio. So this is a, Uh this is a big, big piece of your identity. So you're not just, you know, you're not just a gym and you're not just offering equipment classes, but you are offering people an opportunity to really get educated. And uh, I know that in my experience as an educational studio, that ends up infiltrating down into the students and the students level of knowledge and even the students that you attract, right? Because it becomes obvious over time that the teachers are, uh, kind of steeped in that environment of curiosity and exploration. So the culture of your space, your studio really is shaped by that, but it's also another way to generate revenue, right? It's another aspect, uh, of your identity. So talk a little bit about Uh like how you feel like that plays a part in this discussion for you guys, like being a training facility. What's the, what do you see as the the benefit or like just how does that play out for you in this environment? It's a huge benefit. One, um, being a teaching studio. Well, first of all, there's, there's, there's the aspect of offering multiple modalities, Mm -hmm. which really allows you to reach such a wider base of people. Um, and you don't have to feel like, like we don't tell people when they walk in the door, okay, you have to do yoga mm-hmm. or you have to do Pilates or you have to do gyrotonic. We understand that even though those, all of those things are beautiful and equal and tried and true methods, you know, that people are going to be attracted in one way or another for what their needs are at the time, Right. you know, and so we try to meet that. And the other thing, um, a lot of our teachers are teach multiple modalities. So they are more career teachers, mm-hmm. which provides them with a wealth of experience in whatever. I mean, obviously, the more we understand about the body and movement is going to translate into whatever we're teaching in that particular moment. Right. Because it's really the movement that is healing. You just have a vehicle that you get people there with, right, right? Right, right, So, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, so having a space where we can attract teachers 
that and clients Mm -hmm. to give them those experiences, but the teachers specifically where they can teach, they don't have to run all over town to teach a yoga class here and then go here to teach Pilates and, you Mm -hmm. know, that they can under one roof be somewhere where all of those things are equally respected um, and they're free to use that to reach their clients is really valuable. Um, But also the the teacher training aspect is super important that our clients understand that one, we're teaching studios. So they see apprentices in there. They start to understand, wow, well, one thing just initially that does on a really simple level is that they must know what they're doing if they are training people to teach this, right? Like they're just on a, you know, on the surface. Yeah, so that, yeah, that perception. yeah, I mean, so that's, that's one thing. It also allows us to, the teachers we do have, we hire a lot, not always by any means, but a lot out of our teacher training program because we've had such a wealth of experience and time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with these teachers um, to really understand them and for them to understand what we're wanting to do and what we offer. So that value starts to come through mm-hmm. um, and it starts to be really obvious to the clients, to the students. Um, but, and it's also, again, I was talking earlier about how I always look at things from both sides mm-hmm. as far as the client experience and the teacher experience. We also, continuing education is super important to us um, because we have to keep feeding ourselves in order to keep feeding our students and for us to keep learning and maintain our quality of what we're doing and sharing with them. And, um, so we, so what we try to do is make sure that we're providing that for our teachers, but also just the Pilates community around us. Mm -hmm. It's not just about us. Like we really think that it helps the whole community to bring that, like you're, like you are coming in April at the end of April doing this fearless extension, um, and the osteoporosis and scoliosis Mm -hmm. unraveling workshops. And what I liked specifically, both of those, I'm super excited about painting, Um, (laughs) but, um, also what I really loved, especially about the fearless extension is that that can speak to our yoga community, our diatonic community, our Pilates community, as far as that continuing it. Right. And it keeps people's minds nice and wide. Yes. <laughs> Instead of getting really narrow in their perception of what's right and what's wrong. Right. And, you know, judging. And and the wider their perception is, the more they can really help people and stay fed themselves. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, that allows us in a profession that is such a giving-oriented perspective profession a space in order for us to stay inspired right um, yeah in order to have longevity in what we do because it's certainly not easy yeah. By any means. <laughs> yeah. and I think too like so I said before that, that you know having being a training studio obviously that diversification um, of adding teacher training but also the yoga and the gyrotonic those different modalities you know, it, from a business perspective, it's, it's, it can be a very wise choice, right. To have that, to reach the broader audience, to, to have this kind of, um, 
it's like where we can fill in the gaps between the the regular ebb and flow of maybe, you know, if we were just a, a, a Pilates studio or just yoga studio or didn't have a teacher training. So there's definitely that perspective. But I think what is also really valuable, what you're talking about is that this is where we start to, to get into community building. Right. And so we, we were talking earlier about competition and how, uh, this initial fear of, you know, not having enough or what's going to happen or what does this mean? You know, we have to maybe readjust our place in the, in the, in the kind of hierarchy or, or just the organization of our community. And we have to be, I think we have to also be pretty explicitly committed to the building of community and sharing and, and being in it because it's, it's just of value. Movement is of value to everybody, no matter what they're doing or where they're going or how much they're paying. But this, this idea of, you know, inviting people in to learn and to explore, to challenge their ideas. I even think about it from the, the student perspective, particularly with this workshop that you're talking about, Fearless Extension. Uh, you know, I've been presenting this material for a while and it's, it's been evolving, but it's also kind of settled into something really, really lovely and, and kind of solid. And I've presented it to yoga teachers and Pilates teachers and PTs and clients, people with scoliosis, people with, um, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fu- fusion, um, chronic SI joint issues, uh, sciatica, you know, all of these things. So it's so valuable when you get a student into a workshop like this because it's absolutely uh, and and really exciting because it's it, particularly with extension because there's there can be so much perpetuated fear around you know moving into the back body um absolutely. you know coupled with the degree of discomfort that people typically have it's just such a great cracking open right of kind of the mysteries of the body and of teaching and learning movement that like here's an opportunity for for students to come and sit next to their teachers and to explore this idea together and you know to have these questions being asked from a myriad of perspectives and experiences is so rich and exciting and it's like it doesn't matter whose face it is in you know it doesn't matter you know it just doesn't matter it's like can we all come together and and really hold space for learning and and being curious and supporting um, each other in that kind of way that, that I think not to sound too woo woo and wishy washy, but, you know, kind of, uh, surmounts those, those feelings of competition that, that separate us because they can be divisive and set us feeling like we're against each other when really it's not that way at all. Like that's not actually the reality. I mean, it becomes the reality because we make it so because, because we're afraid and, you know, it's just maybe not really, maybe not really the truth of the matter. So I do think that that situation, that context of learning and exploring is such a community building aspect. And, and yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, I was was just going to say that, um, you know, this is a particular area where I do feel like the growth of the industry and the competition has been really positive in the sense of, you know, back in the day when there were so much, so few of us doing it, mm-hmm. everybody was trying to communicate everybody else was wrong. Like you had to be the one that was doing it right. And there was such a small <laughs> pool of people to that, to draw from that you did live in a space of fear mm-hmm. because 
you were having to try to prove to people that this was something of value and you did it best and you did it right. And, yeah. oh, my gosh, if somebody else comes near you, then you, oh, that, oh no, I'm going to fail, you know, because uh -huh. there just, there really wasn't enough to go along, um, go around. But now the positive thing is that people know what Pilates is. Mm -hmm. The medical um, field has give, acknowledged the value in what we do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that all of that growth and the visibility that Pilates has now has allowed us to focus more on the quality of what we do and to keep learning versus feeling like, we're having to prove ourselves and hold on so tight, you know, mm -hmm. to, to what we have. So I think that that, in a way, does allow us to be more open-minded yeah. and allow us to say, okay, you teach it. Like, that's a different style of Pilates. And guess what? That is so great. Yeah. That is so yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. What we do here is we do this. Right. Um, but, you know, that's great, too. Right. Like, and, and, and then if you start to support the people in your community in that way, instead of being negative or catty about it, like uh -huh. it used to be, then they in turn will support, yeah. you know, you. And I think, and then when you do continuing it and you have these community building things, they'll actually come yeah. and be involved in it, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and not be intimidated by it. So I think, which raises the bar for all of us. Because Absolutely. If somebody has a negative experience at any situation where they try Pilates, then mm -hmm. that can turn them off for all of us, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it can hurt the whole field. Oh, um, absolutely. So I think it's better to build people up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just to kind of frame this whole conversation, you know, it's a – it's an ebb and flow, right? It's like it happens in cycles. It's like we're orbiting, we're orbiting, right? Constantly kind of coming back around. And I think we do go through phases as uh, any organism does, you know, so we'll just talk about Pilates, mm -hmm. the Pilates profession as an organism for a moment, um, because I'm a total nerd like that. It's like, so, you know, we, we, we just, we keep evolving, right? We have, we go through, we prove ourselves, and then we settle in and then we can be more expansive and we can be open-minded and, and there is less divisiveness and then, you know, uh, and there's growth, there's exploration and then something new happens and then, and we make us, you know, this, we come back around and just, we could name, like, there are lots of different catalysts, but the conversation today is really revolving around this idea of like, okay, we, we are well-established now lots of people, majority of people know what Pilates is. They've heard of it. They're, they're not really mispronouncing it anymore. Right. They, people now have questions about like, well, how is it the same or different from yoga or why would I do it versus something else? Um, or what's this style versus that style? But we're, we're also seeing this growth that we've been talking about. And I'm just going to be really blatant here. Uh, I know that a lot of you who are listening know that we're talking about one of the things that we're talking about is club Pilates. And I think it's just worth saying mm -hmm. that there is, there's no judgment. It's like, this is just such an interesting development, right? It's challenging all of us yeah. to go to, yeah. to step back and go, okay, what does this mean for all of us? How can we, like, maybe some of us are resistant to this idea of like a lot of people on a reformer or, you know, people who have more or less experience all in one big class together. 
that's all fine, right? That's, it's something new. It's something different. So there's going to be resistance. Um, but it is forcing us to go, okay, you know, we get, we brace, we go, it's something new. It's a challenge. Maybe it's a change. We maybe get a little bit frightened and fearful. Um, and it will take us some time. It will take all of us some time to reorient around like, oh, this new aspect of, of what Pilates can be for people. Um, but it, what I think is important is that there is, we have an opportunity for those of us who've been around, uh, you know, we, this is not our first rodeo. We've done several orbits. We've been through several of these, uh, evolutionary cycles to say, look, it's okay. It's all good. Like it, it really is all good. And if we can stay compassionate and kind and open to one another, we can hold that thread of community and, and, and really yeah. let that be our foundation and we'll figure out the rest. We'll just figure out the right, rest, right. you know, and be okay with like, okay, maybe this is going to be, you know, uh, this is going to throw me for a loop. This is going to be financially challenging. I mean, the, the truth is we don't know what it's going to be. We just all, you know, we're all facing it in, you know, kind of as it comes. So I think uh-huh. it's, you know, it's just important to, to face it head on, I think, and, and be really honest about like, it's a little scary, uh, you know, and some of yeah. us would not choose to teach to a large group like that. I mean, I learned, uh, when I, when I went through my second training, I was immediately thrown into a very dynamic teaching situation where I was leading six people on, uh, on a reformer. And then we would move to the, you know, uh, wall units and then we would move to the chairs and then we would move to the mat. So it was multi-apparatus. Um, for me, six people on a, on a piece of equipment, like that's, that's difficult and challenging. And I got really good at it, but now in my, my stage of teaching, I'm like, I don't want any part of it. Like I just, I don't enjoy it. I don't feel like it's where I can be the most potent in my teaching. And that's like, that's all fine. You know, there's a time in my teaching life that I would have been really into that. Um, but not, not today, you know? And I think there's, there's just value in it all. And, and so I'm not trying to get too, you know, Pollyanna about it, but I do think it's important to just be, you know, clear and honest about what we're talking about. And, and then it, it is, it is frightening for a lot of people to, to have this kind of new evolution of the business. And what I would just say, what feels important for me to say on a personal level is that I have teachers coming to me all the time going, what do you think about club Pilates? What do you think about this? Because, you know, there are a lot of them now. And if you guys are listening and you're Club Pilates teachers, like, more power to you. And here's here's the truth yeah. for me. I've never been into a Club Pilates studio. I've never taken a Club Pilates class. I've met very few yeah. Club Pilates teachers, all of whom I, I like and, and have great respect for. And every student that I know personally that has been into a Club Pilates has had a good experience. And so it's right, like, right. there's all that. Like, so what the hell do I know yeah. about, about it? You know, right, so- I know. Well, and yeah. And t- like to, to, to speak to that point too, having, I just had a teacher, you know, make a decision to leave Evolve to go and work for Club Bodies. And at first that was really scary because she's an awesome person and she's a great teacher. But really the fact of the matter is one, she really enjoys teaching group classes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Her interest and her, you know, passion is more in that energized group energy exchange. It's 
less in the intimate uh, intimacy of a private or semi-private right. session. Right. And you know what? That's okay. Absolutely. Because she's still good. She's still really good at that. And that environment is going to allow her to do just that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And whereas in our environment, because we have group classes, but we also really cater to a lot of private and semi-private clients that have different sorts of issues and ages and all of that, you know, that was asking her of her, she was having to do that as well, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's not where her passion is. And so, you know, it doesn't make her less of a teacher in my eyes. It's just that that's where she is, like you said, in this orbit, right? And that's where her skill set is. And that is where she's feeling confident. And so she's doing great. And so, you know what? She needs to be in an environment where she's happy teaching. Absolutely. This is not a job you can do if you're unhappy. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it's, it, it comes across immediately. So yeah. it's, I, I had to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, we're losing a great person. But at the same time, that's going to be a great environment for her. Yeah. And our environment necessarily maybe isn't the best for her. Like you said, it's all good. And I think... Just knowing that, like, I like the word that you used, orbit, because we're all in different places, and that's, that's okay. Yeah. Well, I always tell teachers when they're, when they're going through the teacher training program, or even those teachers who've been teaching for a while, that it's totally appropriate that, that you might end up finding that you have an affinity for one-on-ones, you know, or semi-privates versus uh-huh. group classes. And that you should really pay attention mm-hmm. to that. Like you should, you should develop your skills as broadly as possible for a while. And then you need to get really clear and honest with yourself about where, what are your strengths? What lights you up? What are you passionate about? You know, where, where and in what situations are you going to be your best self as a teacher? And some people love group classes. They love that more kind of high energy, um, almost you know, like kind of being the center and, and kind of orchestrating the, the group. And, and some people like to be quiet and intimate and, and just be there and be, be with one person and looking at the one body from a lot of different angles. That's important. That's actually a really important evolution for us as teachers is to acknowledge are, are we split down the middle? Are we forcing ourselves into, you know, teaching in a way that doesn't really feed us or can we, can we kind of navigate ourselves, uh, in a, in a direction that feels the best where we can really thrive? I think we can. And that's what I try to tell people. Like you're saying, you know, the teachers that I'm teaching and luckily the teacher training program that we teach allows people to have their own personalities and come in with, you know, use their strengths and knowledge. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not a dogma-style program. Um, And so that's really great. Um, But also what I tell people is, yes, your comfort level right now may be in teaching private sessions. Because standing up in front of a group of people is terrifying to you, you know, (laughs) or the fact that you have to look at six people at once and communicate with six different personalities at once is terrifying to you. I totally get that. And so, you know what, if this is your comfort level right now, enjoy doing this, but I'm going to push you to try to do both 
and to become skilled at both if you want to if you want to make money <laughs> yeah, yeah, if yeah. you want to be diverse if you want to be able to reach different populations you can't just fall to one side if you you can but if you do then you have to realize you're limiting yourself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know but I think it's like your, your teachers that only want to work therapeutically well that's great that is great but you're going to have to work with this particular kind of client in a particular kind of studio where it's going to limit your opportunity. But it also incites uh, with the direction, right? I think it, it, it's, oh, yeah. it incites the direction in terms of informing people where they want to go, who they want to work with, in what environments they want to work, which is really important. And it's, uh, you know, I just think it can be both. And you can decide that you are always going to do both, but you're aware and at, that you do one better or that you want to focus on one. I think there's a lot of ways to balance this, but the awareness of where do my strengths lie and following that is, is really important in terms of this is a whole different conversation, but you know, like in terms of not reaching, I, think I know where you're going. Here. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're just Go not reaching burnout, you know, and, and not feeling like you're at odds with what your strengths are or, I don't know. What did you think I was going to say? No, I knew exactly where you were going. No, yeah. I, it's just like Joy uh, Pula was just here at, doing a Coraline training, and she and I were having this conversation. And um, because I'm in a space right now, personally, where I'm not taking, I'm not teaching any private sessions mm -hmm. anymore, except to mentor students yeah. that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. um, I am teaching some group classes because I need for the program and for just just for the whole vibe of the studio but also for the teacher training program to be visible for observation and for apprentices to take classes and right. things like that talking about that orbit i think it just it's one your personality but like that burnout yeah it depends on where you are in your life like there was a time where i loved that one-on-one -on -one connection and, and for, you know, 15, um, you know, 16 years. And I still value those relationships and that time and what I was able to accomplish with people that really inspired me. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also am married and have two children. Right. So now I'm at a place where I'm a working mom. I've got people that need me mm -hmm. all day long and all night long. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> I'm just going in and teaching a group class in Pilates. Like, let's make this simple. Yeah. I can come in and I can teach you Pilates today. And I can't be anything else for you yeah. because i got to be a million things for other people. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. what I can do for you and do it well. Yeah. You know, and so I think that that's, like, also just the reality of the orbit is, like, well, what can you really be effective with, depending on where you are in your life, your interests, but also just what it, what's your ability, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, And yeah. also being able to recognize that and say, like, yeah, I need to take a break from private sessions. Yeah. You know? I need, because I'm not being as effective because I just can't give and 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 give all the time, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Well, I think, um, I think <laughs> well, I think we could, I knew, we could talk all day. <laughs> I know we totally could. We totally could. Hmm. Here's what I'm thinking about this, the whole conversation. And it's interesting because 
Deborah Colway and I were just chatting on Friday. We recorded a podcast that you guys will hear uh, next. So, um, you know, this podcast with Melissa is coming out before the one with uh, Deborah. But we were talking about uh, this kind of habit of mind to compare everything, right? That everything has to be like one thing's right and the other thing's wrong. Um, or one thing's good and the other thing's bad. Um, and I think it's so interesting that we're talking about something that feels very black and white. That feels very linear. It's like you're either on one side of the line or the other. And what we're talking about is circular. It's evolutionary, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a development. Yeah. And it's interesting where the conversation has gone, because I think what we're talking about is we're talking about the evolution of, and the orbiting of a profession. We're talking about kind of the uh-huh. evolution of different business models. Um, we're talking uh-huh. about the evolution and the orbiting of the teacher uh, herself. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and also uh-huh. within all of that, we've talked about, you know, like the evolution and orbiting of educating yourself, the, the development of a student, right? The orbit of the student. And I just think that's very, that's a very interesting thing to hold space for and to consider, you know, if we go back to kind of our original point of the, the profession is expanding and right now here's what we're seeing. We're seeing a shift from not away from, but you know, the boutique studio, the small studio, even in a studio like yours, which is larger and and diversified to this kind of bigger corporate esque uh, you know, we can only, we can only define it from the outside since neither one of us is in the inside. Um, and, and our most common example is club Pilates. So it's this, this is an interesting evolution, but think about it as you have said so eloquently throughout the conversation from the student's perspective, it's like the, as teachers, you and I, and, and the rest of us, like how uh, helpful it might be to hold this idea that what what our students do is not fixed, right? Like our audience is not fixed and their development is not fixed. So just what if right now in the phase of their development, Club Pilates is where they need to be. And then at another exactly. stage in their development, your studio is where they need to be. And then the next stage is teacher training. And then the next stage they're with me. You know, it's like the, just stay yeah. open to that reality that this is not like a, this is not a black or white direction. People are not black and white. The way we develop and grow is not black and white. The way we teach is not black and white. So, you know, it's like, there's like, I don't know, maybe nothing to fear at all, except for growth. Like, yeah. That's silly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, a nice way to tie it into what we were saying earlier as well, is that it's all like trying to hold on to your integrity, mm-hmm. but realizing that Really, if your integrity is looking and caring about what that individual is needing and wanting and what their goals are, you can say, hey, look, if you don't want the time and investment into coming into a group, like a a leveled group class program, Mm -hmm. I totally get it. Let me give you the number the studio down the street and go they have some great teachers there that's going to be a great place for you you know and um but hey this is what we're doing here but no hard feelings no worries go go be happy there yeah 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 and 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 not in a really like to, to almost diffuse your own fear to diffuse that sense of competition and 
divisiveness that you were talking about, mm-hmm. like, or the isolation. Right. Just say, just go ahead and promote everyone. And but look, if we all agree in the industry to really look at what people are needing and wanting, and we kind of commit to taking the time to do that. Right. And then we send people to where they need to be. Yeah. And I think if everybody committed to do that, it'd just be awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, it would be awesome. And in the meantime, all we can do is be responsible for how we hold all of this, hold the changes and and how we relate to them. I think we certainly have not identified like the quick fixes. There's no magic pill. I mean, the bottom line is that you just have to, you have to be open and you have to go with it. And you know, you choose what to be afraid of and not to be afraid of. And, um, maybe this is just not something to be afraid of, but maybe it's, maybe it's just an opportunity, uh, to see like where, where, what could you do better? What could you do, do different and, and, um, and, and see if you can do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, let's, I'm going to say that's a really great place to end. It has been such a fabulous, really wonderful and rich conversation, Melissa. Uh, thanks everybody for sticking with us to the end through, um, through all the, all the crazy, yeah, all the crazy ups and downs and, and, uh, background noise and hammering. I really appreciate that. Um, but you know, just, uh, like I said in the beginning, keeping it real um, I'd like to just end with an invitation for those of you who are listening to come and hang out with Melissa and I and a lot of other really amazing teachers. In April, I'm going to be there at Evolve yeah. Movement uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, April 28th through 30th, and um, teaching a, a day-long workshop on fearless extension, which is so brilliant for anybody who has a body, student, teacher, any kind of practitioner. Um, and then the scoliosis and osteoporosis unraveled workshop is, is really different. Um, we, you know, the whole point for me in, in developing this content is how do we, how do we work with these, um, you know, these conditions, these, these special needs for our students using the Pilates method, using what we already know, um, and putting it into a framework that's totally workable and not not totally new. I invite you to, to come and show up. All the information is on the Skillful Teaching website. It's on the Evolve Movement website. Uh, I'll put all of that in the show notes. Um, and maybe we'll see you there. Melissa, thank you so much for spending so much time with me. I really appreciate it. And I cannot wait to see you in just over a month. I know. <laughs> me too. Me too. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love talking to you. And, um, We are so excited to have you here. Oh, can't wait. Thanks. If you're still with us, I appreciate you very much. I know the longer podcasts can be hard to stick with, but hopefully it was worth it. This was originally a random filler podcast, which in no way is indicative of its value, obviously. I'm just going to forego the regular ins and outs. Um, We won't have a heroes and pro tips this time around, but I do want to encourage you to investigate your values. Ask the question, what am I all about? What am I all about in my teaching? How do I show up for my teaching with my values in mind? And do I really value the things that I think I do? 
The next time you face a challenging situation like the ones Melissa and I have described in our conversation, consider how getting clear about what your values are and how you can add value to your students can shift you from a place of fear to a place of curiosity. And before you go, I would say if you want a good laugh, uh, actually many good laughs, and a little backward self-improvement, given that you're not offended by profanity, although if you are, you're probably not actually listening to this anymore. You should definitely check out Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep. Well, that's it for now. Make sure that you tune in to the next episode, 37, with Deborah Colway to continue this exploration of values and so much more. You can reach us at thinkingpilatespodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to the next time. Until then, breathe deep and teach well. All the things that make you sing and tap your little toe.